Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Beef Upfront podcast here on PickSwap Media. Show's Ryan Coyle, joined by Joey the Jet and Tony Harding as we continue our March Madness coverage. We're ripping through the East region now on this one. I've already done the West. Uh, we'll be doing the or what do we, no, we did the Midwest, and we'll be doing the West and the South and one big bracket reveal as well. So I'm uh, going to be ripping through the East region here, going game by game in the first round. Um, and then eventually given our elite eight picks uh, and who we're sending to the final four. So uh, welcome back to the show, fellas. Uh, excited for this episode. How are we? Good, man. Ready to watch some uh, tournament hoops. Fantastic. I've been excited, yeah. So for the East region, I've given I'm been giving them all nicknames. I'm giving this one the called the region of the season of surprises. Uh, when you look at Purdue, not much was expected from them this year. Duke brought in a bunch of highly ranked guys, but it was kind of unknown with Coach Coach Shire in, the, in there now and a bunch of young guys, not really sure what this team would be. They eventually win the ACC tournament. You got a 30-win Florida Atlantic team, a Providence team that was picked at, towards the bottom of the Big East, Kansas State team that was projected to finish last in the Big 12, um, a Marquette team who's the two-seed who was projected to finish ninth, I believe, in the Big East. I mean, all these teams have outperformed their expectations from the beginning of the season. So a bunch of surprises. We'll see who eventually emerges. Uh, we started at the top with number one, Purdue, versus the winner of number 16, Texas Southern, or FDU. Um, 650 tip-off on Friday night on TNT. Uh, before we get into the eventual breakdown of why Purdue a win, uh, who do you guys have winning the Texas Southern versus FDU game? Tony, start us off there. Uh, I'll go Texas Southern here. I think uh, it'll help them. I remember them in the tournament. I don't know if it was last – I think it was last year. They uh, won their playing game, so they have some guys with experience around. The team has been there before, program, everything. So I just think they'll have an upper hand over a team who didn't even win conference tournament. So, Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm going Texas Southern as well. Uh, I can't pick FDU. They <laughs> – um, like they, the, it's the stupidest rule ever that the NCAA has. Like they didn't win; they finished in se- like third place in the conference because they didn't even let Stonehill enter the tournament, who was the second place team. And then they don't even win the conference tournament title game. Um, FDU shouldn't be here. I think Texas Southern's going to beat them. They had a really great run in the SWAC tournament. They were the eight seed there. Um, yeah. So give me the Tigers. Yeah, I'm going to go Texas Southern, too. Um, if FDU does beat Texas Southern, Purdue might beat them by 100. Uh, last week, I was listening to a show. FDU's average height on the roster is six foot one. Like, and I think their tallest guy on the roster might be 6'6". Six, six. So, Zach Eady might have 40 in the first half and then <clears throat> from there on out. But um, I do think yeah. Texas Southern will beat FDU. I'm not going to sit here like we know much about either of those teams, but we both got Purdue eventually rolling, rolling it over Texas Southern, right, boys? Yeah, definitely. I don't see. I mean, imagine. Oh yeah. Me guarding Zach Eady. <laughs> Lunch. Well, you're a thousand point scorer. It says behind you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Purdue rolling in that one. But I don't think that they are going to make a very deep run. Um, I think they're too reliant on one guy. And that kind of gets exposed, but we'll, we'll get into a little bit more about Purdue as we go on throughout the show. Uh, the next matchup, the 8-9 game, one of the best games of the tournament here. One, uh, and probably There's probably like four or five games where I was really just stuck there thinking, all right, might as well just flip a coin to pick. And I feel like those games are <clears> where wherever team you wind up picking, 
it goes the opposite direction anyway. So this one I'm excited mm -hmm. for to, uh, I guess you could call Memphis a mid-major technically for being in the American, but you got number eight Memphis versus number nine FAU, Florida Atlantic out of the conference USA. 9.20 on TNT on Friday night. Memphis is a two-and-a-half-point favorite here over under 151. Uh, Kometz, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Uh, I'm going Memphis here. Um, kind of just – FAU had a great season, but there's a – in a bed. Um, 30 wins is fantastic. Not trying to take anything away from them, but – if they had gotten any other team on the eight or nine line, I would be picking FAU. But this was the one team, you know, when they when I saw Memphis get an F, uh, FAU, I just thought it was a tough matchup for the Owls. Uh, give me Memphis here. I think Penny Hardaway has something to prove, especially after Jeff Goodman was questioning uh, earlier in the year if he was the guy for the job. Um, and I think Memphis could definitely give Purdue a scare in the round of 32. They uh, gave Gonzaga a scare last year as well. Tony? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a really like a testament to how good Memphis is that they get a eight seed out of that conference. I mean, they did beat Houston there in the title game. Um, it's just I just think FAU, yeah, thirty win season, great. It's just Memphis is so athletic playing. That's like the that's their brand. You know, they fly up and down the court and they have all these athletes all over the place. And I think FDU. FDU or not FDU, uh, FAU. Their best win on the season I was looking was is Florida. So you don't know how battle tested they are. Uh, so yeah, give me give me Memphis here. And I know like the metrics and stuff were like in favor of them, but like resume wise, looking at it, like I didn't see really that big of a difference between them and Charleston. So I was surprised to see you know Charleston at the twelve, Florida Atlantic at the nine. Um, they're another team where people are that haven't really, I guess, paid attention to much to college basketball this year. You see 31 and three, I believe, is a record next to their name. People are going to be, like, oh, well, let's take them. But uh, I don't think I don't think that's a, a smart move in this one. I do like Memphis. Um, a fascinating game just because we don't really know that much about FAU. Um, you're lying if you say you're sitting down and watching every Owls game, but. I do like Memphis to to win this game, and then I do like them to beat Purdue. I think Purdue is the one seed that slips up on the first weekend like we see every year. Memphis really impressed me against Houston. Watched that game from start to finish yesterday. Um, I know they didn't have Marcus Sasser out there, but still, that was a pretty dominant performance from start to finish. And when you have a guard like Kendrick Davis who can score 30-plus any given time out there, that can carry you multiple rounds, and he's going to be by far the best guard in that matchup eventually against Purdue if it comes to it. Um, and this is a Memphis team that has experience from last year's tournament where they beat Boise State and took Gonzaga to the wire as well. So I'm going to take that experience combined with their talent to beat FAU and then eventually beat Purdue as well. All right, number five, Duke versus number 12, Oral Roberts, 7-10 on CBS on Thursday night. Uh, Primetime game there for the Dukies. First tournament under John Shire. Duke comes in as minus six and a half. Over under 145 and a half. I'll throw this one over to you first, Tony. Yeah, I cringed a little bit when I saw Oral Roberts as the matchup for my Duke Blue Devils. But, I mean, I I think Duke is just playing too hot. Like, they kind of got some confidence back where they're walking in the gym now, understanding who they are. I saw that they're 17-1 uh, and one when fully healthy on the season. And... I think the emergence of Derek Lively 
has been huge for Duke as like he's an elite NBA level rim protector in there. And then along with they got to move Jeremy Roach off the ball a bit. So he's able to, you know, become more of a scorer with Tyrese Proctor now playing point guard. I think it's going to be a tough game for Duke to win. Duke can't play a bad game and win this one. But uh, I'll still go with my uh, Blue Devils. Mets? Yeah, Tony, I completely agree. I'm going Duke here. Um, only thing I'll say, just to add on, I'm taking the winner of this game to beat Tennessee in the round of 32. Um, yes. 100%. We'll get to that yeah, game. Either a team. Bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, either one of these teams is going to beat Tennessee, I think. Um, I just think this is one of those games, like, if or like I already said it uh, earlier, if Oral Roberts got any other five seed, I would have taken Oral Roberts. But this is just a tough matchup. Right. Them getting Duke. Duke's a really good team. They're playing their best basketball right now. Um, I will say it's interesting how many people are taking Duke to go deep, but I still think they're going to make a pretty good run. Uh, give me the Blue Devils here. Yeah, I'm gonna ride with Duke as well. Uh, this should be a really fun game, though, and another one of those games where I think it's pretty close throughout. But it wouldn't surprise me to see Duke kind of cover that six and a half towards the end on some free throws. We know Oral Roberts had some magic back a few years ago with Max A. Smith. He's back. But that was in the 2021 bracket, and that was that year was just such an anomaly, I think. You had fifteen a 15 seed make it, an 8 seed, a 12 seed, an 11 seed, an 11 seed, a 6, and a 7 all make the Sweet 16. And that was back when everything was in one location in Indianapolis. There was, like, reduced crowds. It was just not normal how we see it, and I think that's why you saw a bunch of upsets. You saw freaking – Oregon State go to the Elite Eight as well. So, um, right. And a lot yeah, I think, I think like for the people who like to watch college hoops, I think predetermined going into the tournament, like a lot of people had Oral Roberts as they were probably going to have them winning a game. Like mm-hmm. I, I probably, I did before the bracket came out and they ran into Duke, who's like probably playing at like a top 10 level right now in the country. Yeah. And certainly sure. playing their best. And they've always been a top five probably talented talent-wise team in the country, but it just t- took some time to put the pieces together. Um, and this this team, even though they have this Oral Roberts team, even though they have Ace Smith back, they don't have Kevin O'Banner, who they had back in that run as well. And he was a very good player. He's been a pretty good player at Texas Tech too. Um, Duke is young, but they're the hottest team in the country right now, in my opinion. So I'm going to take them here. I think Oral Roberts, maybe like first half gives them a scare. Take like a Oral Roberts first half money line, probably get that a pretty good value. Maybe it'll be like 32, 31, something around there at half. But then Duke, I think, kind of figures it out, calms down, and is able to have a good second half and kind of pull away there. All right. We go to the number four seed, Tennessee versus number 13, Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns there. 940 on CBS on Thursday night. Tennessee minus 10.5 here over under 136.5. Joe, give us your thoughts on this matchup. Listen. Lord, if you've been watching this show for what, as long as I've been on, I hate Tennessee basketball. I do. I, I don't think they're a good team. I think Rick Barnes is an overrated coach. That being said, and especially losing Ziggler, I mean, that's huge, but I just can't – I can't pick the Cajuns here. Um, the Cajuns don't really make me go, oh, shit, like Tennessee got a tough draw in the first round. Um, Tennessee is probably, you know, thanking the committee right now that they got Louisiana, I think they're going to be able to sneak by. I think 10.5 is a bit too much just because I don't think Tennessee really has, 
you know, the talent now without Ziggler there to really, you know, blow anyone out. But I still think they'll be able to get by the Cajuns and go on to the round of 32, where, like I said earlier, they will lose to either Duke or Oral Roberts. Yeah, I'm going <clears> to <throat> – I think this is a place in a bracket here where you could really take a stab at, like, a long-shot upset. Like, all the metrics, everything really point towards Tennessee as just they could win playing a really bad game. They still could get a win here. But <clears throat> I think with Duke and Oral Roberts at the five twelve matchup, they're going to run into them. I think um, – I don't think Tennessee beats either of those teams. So I think it's a good place you could take a stab here if you don't want a team to blow up your bracket. Uh, so with that being said, I'm going to go with Louisiana. Joe was alluding to it with Ziggler out. They just aren't what they were in the beginning of the year. They don't really have an offensive identity now. So uh, I'm going to take a stab here and go with Louisiana. Yeah, that's like one thing just looking at the bracket. Like I know we're only doing the East region, but like looking at all the regions, like if you're like dead set on just say Duke winning no matter who, if they play Tennessee or Louisiana, like might as well take like Louisiana if you're doing it your bracket yeah. or you're just like betting it like money-wise, just like – Take them straight up at that point because if you have them losing in the next round anyway, what's it really matter? I mean, same right. thing with like St. Mary's – or the, if you have VCU being St. Mary's and then you think UConn is going to beat St. Mary's no matter what in the next round potentially. Um, same thing with like Miami or Kent State, like that those games, Drake, um, Indiana in there. Like there's there's a bunch where you're saying, Tony, like take a stab at it. And I think this that, could Yeah, be- that's what I like to do. I mean – me personally, like I'm I'm not the type of person when filling out a bracket where I'm gonna have like a just like a St. Peter's in the Elite Eight. Like that's not gonna happen when I'm filling out a bracket. Mm-hmm. But I do like to take stabs one or two each region just because I know I don't like the higher seed to make it past the next round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I like that logic too, and especially if you're competing for a bracket, you might be able to get one of those upsets that you know 90 percent of the other people aren't taken yep. um, but i do like tennessee to win this one as joe's saying as much as we've kind of talked about them all year i think this is a good matchup for them i watched the sunbelt title game with louisiana and i didn't come very away very impressed with them um and i think you have to kind of take that with a uh i guess a little extra emphasis just based on how bad we we've talked about tennessee all year and we're still taking them to win in this one um the Cajuns shoot a lot of long twos, like so many shots around like the the foul line area and, and like beyond in between the three-point line, like just a lot of inefficient shots. And they do most of their damage around the rim with forward Jordan Brown. He's a very good player. He was impressive. He averages 19.4 points per game, but I think he benefits from playing against Sunbelt level players. You're going to be the most physically imposing guy out there every time. Now you're going against Tennessee where – I remember this is what we said at the beginning of the year when we were doing the preview episodes on the SEC. Like Tennessee has a basketball team built like football players, but that eventually comes back to haunt them when they can't shoot the ball in the tournament. Um, Browns also only four of sixteen from the year on f- uh, for, for the year from three point range. So does most of his damage right. around the hoop. Tennessee's got the bodies to throw at him. Uh, I think they're able to contain him in this one. But I think this might be my favorite under of the tournament. One thirty six and a half here. I could see this being like a 60 to 50 type game, just real low scoring, physical. And like I said, Louisiana shoots a lot of like long range twos. They are a pretty good three point shooting team. They shoot like 37%, but they're only taking like 18 threes a game. Some of those top like 10 teams are shooting like 27 and above. 
threes. So this is a team that's not going to really, I think, hurt you much from deep. If they do, they're only going to make like seven or eight. They might do it efficiently, but I just think Tennessee kind of matches up. This is a good matchup for them. But then Duke, they get Duke the next round, who has shown the ability to either blow you out like they did Pitt, uh, score at high level like they did against Miami, or win a close, lower scoring game like they did against Virginia. So Duke can kind of do it all. Tennessee is only going to be able to beat you in these low scoring affairs. Correct. All right, now my favorite game of this bracket or this part of the, the bracket, this region, number six, Kentucky versus number 11, Providence, who ended the year on a slide. 7-10 on CBS on Friday night. So uh, you got 7-10 on Thursday, you got Duke, and 7-10 on Friday night, you got Kentucky. So throwing those two bad boys in the prime time. Kentucky is a three-and-a-half point favorite here over under 145. A few weeks ago, it wasn't known if Kentucky would even make the tournament, and now here they are. All the way up as a six seed, uh, Kmet. What are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, I'm going Kentucky here, um, and it's kind of just coil with um, you're already saying here. The momentum, you know, coming out of Kentucky is crazy. A couple weeks ago, you know, they were right on the bubble. You know, Lenardi had them right around like that last four in spot. Um, now they're all the way up as a six. Providence is on a complete, you know, downturn. Um, not playing very good basketball right now. Um, if it wasn't for that big comeback where they almost beat UConn, I mean, they were down 25 at one point in the Big East quarterfinal. Um, the Friars just aren't playing good basketball. Kentucky is playing good basketball. I think they're going to take those two losses to Vandy at the end of their, you know, regular season and conference tournament to heart. I think Cal's been working them pretty hard. I think they're going to come out and uh, handle Providence pretty well. Um, and I just don't know if Providence is going to score more than 60 points. Um this is a Providence team that I'm really like not feeling. So give me, uh, give me Kentucky. I'm rolling with Kentucky too, Joe. Uh, this was another game. We talked about it in the Midwest region where I said I had Indiana when I first filled it out. I flipped it to Kent State. It's another one where I had Providence. I've now flipped it to Kentucky. Uh, it was a major toss-up, probably one of the, the five hardest games to pick in the opening round. Providence, though, playing their worst of the season. They've lost four out of five, and Kentucky playing, as you touched on, Joe, their best of the season against teams not named Vanderbilt. They're five and seven. They're five. They've won five of their last seven with two of those losses coming against Vandy. So um, on Haslam metrics, they provide this uh, momentum metric, and Providence ranks as 322nd in the country out of 363 teams in momentum. So certainly not playing their best ball. And then when you look at Kentucky – they're ranked 59th in the momentum metric, so a pretty large disparity there. Two teams going in opposite directions. I don't know what Vanderbilt has really done to get under Kentucky's skin and get the best of them, but maybe Providence tries to emulate some of that stuff in their game plan this week. And I'm also, while picking Kentucky, I'm a little bit worried that Ed Cooley is able to outcoach Coach Cal in this one, but I do think there's a ton of pressure on Kentucky. They can't not win the first-round game. And this also opens the door, I think, for Ed Cooley to have a reason to leave Providence and eventually go on to become the head coach at Georgetown. If they lose this game, I could see it kind of being like last year when Kevin Willard lost to Seton Hall and the next morning he was the head coach at Maryland. I think it could be something like that where Ed Cooley is like, all right, I think I reached my my ceiling here. Um, kind of saw it, I guess, down the stretch when they've started to decline a bit. And I think he leaves for Georgetown after this game, uh, after a Kentucky eventual win. So. Give me the Wildcats there. Yeah, I'm going to go opposite you guys here. I'm going to take Providence. I think <clears throat> I think using this break here before the tournament 
I think I think they could uh, use their downturns to swing back up as uh, I don't know as like a motivator. Uh, I think Providence has the best two players on the court in Hopkins, and then probably one of the best real unknown players in college basketball is Devin Carter. What about Oscar? Uh, <laughs> Oscar. She, she what? I, you see, I think <clears throat> Providence plays great bigs all year. Uh, sure. I mean, the Big East is loaded yeah. with guys who are really talented scorers inside. They might not have Sheway's motor, but I think, like, I don't know. I think Providence is pretty battle-tested where Kentucky, those losses to Vandy worry me. There's no reason they should be losing to them. And they honestly were the sole reason that Vanderbilt was even mentioned come tournament time. On the bubble. Um, I just, I don't know. I think the two best players on the court could get a win for them. I, I actually like Providence to win in the next round as well. Um, I don't know. I just have a gut feeling about them. They're probably my gut feeling team here. So it would be probably Providence over Kentucky and then Providence over the winner of Kansas State, Montana State. All right. Tony going with the upset there, the Friars. I certainly wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Kentucky has been – I think they were kind of like North Carolina for me, at least most of the year, where every time I picked them to win, they would lose. Every time I would pick them to lose, they would win. Like, just never yeah, got a good can't feel, get a feel for them. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? But we could, I also wouldn't surprise me to see them in a few weeks at down at Madison Square Garden playing for a trip to the Final Four. Talents there. Just will they be able to kind of bring it all together? Um, I think this next game is one of the games I'm looking forward to the least out of the entire bracket. Just not very a very appealing matchup. That's number three, Kansas State versus number 14, Joe's Montana State Bobcats. 940 on Friday night on CBS. Might be a little too drunk for this one. It might not even make it up for this entire game. But Kansas State minus eight and a half over under 139. Joe, do you think your Bobcats can, can win this one? No, I don't. I won't lie to you. Uh, my Wildcats big here. Um, the eight and a half, I think, is crazy. I would definitely hammer Kansas State. Um, I mean, the, it's kind of been what I've been saying all year. The Big 12 gets you ready for the tournament. Kansas State and Coil, kind of like what we were talking about last week in the conference uh, tournament previews, a team like Kansas State that lost to TCU in that quarterfinal round and had a little bit of rest and they now get to get away from the Big 12 a little bit. I think that's going to do them wonders. Um, I don't think they're going to lose to Montana State. I don't think it's going to be close, in all honesty. Um, you know, some of these other, you know, games against the lower seeds, you can kind of see it maybe being a battle. I think Kansas State's going to dominate this thing from tip to finish. Um, give me the Wildcats. Yeah, I like uh, Kansas State here as well. Probably big. I probably won't even watch this game. Like, maybe I'll, I'll click to it. Um, Kansas State, at first, at the beginning of the year, I wondered, like, how are they this good? They're just physical. And they're led by a little 5-7 Marquise Noel playing the point and then the Florida transfer, um, Keontae Johnson. So, I mean, I don't think Montana State has played a team anywhere similar to Kansas State this year. So, in Kansas State, I mean, very successful year in the Big 12. So, I'll go with them here. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying when we were talking in the Midwest about Drake playing Miami. Like, Drake did beat Mississippi State earlier in the year, but that was the best team that they saw. They haven't seen a guard combo like 
Isaiah Long and Nigel Pack all year in the Missouri Valley Conference. And I think same thing here. Like Montana State has not seen Keontae Johnson up close. And even though Marquise Noel's tiny little guy, he's going to blow right by you and he can shoot the three ball well too. Uh, they have the easily the two best players on the court in this one. This is probably the game I kind of analyzed the least and just really filled Kansas State right in on my bracket. Uh, so Montana State's probably going to win this one by 20 points now. <clears throat> I do love the eight-and-a-half cover for Kansas State. I think this one could get very ugly early and often. One of those games where it's like, like you're saying, Tony, might not even, you might not even be looking at uh, I think Kansas yeah. State wins that easily. Right. What's crazy about the bracket when thinking about it, like if you were a team like Oral Roberts who had a great year, I mean, there's, there's a lot of hype behind them. Wouldn't you rather be playing a Kansas State than a Duke? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You just feel like sometimes they uh, don't reward the better teams in these in these situations. Like uh, if you're Oral Roberts, you would much rather be playing another five seed like San Diego State. Just more of your style of game, you know. But uh, yeah, Montana State's not the 14 seed that I'm going to have moving on here. And even like when you're saying like rewarding <laughs> teams, like you give Arkansas. You give Kansas the potential to play Arkansas, who had like the top recruiting class from this past year in the second round. Like some of the way, some of the ways, some of the stuff in the bracket. I mean, everyone's gonna have a complaint about something, but right, yeah. Some of these are kind of like Florida Atlantic on the nine. And I know we were kind of talking a little bit down about them, but so you went thirty-one and three, and then you get the right to play Purdue, who is for most of the year the number one team in the country. Yeah, yeah you, you get to go guard Zach Eady. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, we go to the seven ten game now. One that I'm kind of puzzled of why this game is twelve fifteen. This is seven versus seven Michigan State versus number ten USC. Twelve fifteen on Friday on CBS. Michigan State a two point favorite. Over under is one thirty seven and a half. I'm gonna go Michigan State, and not it's not gonna have that much to do with on the basketball court. It's kind of the Outside factors. USC got put at a real disadvantage here with this game being a 12-15 tip in Cleveland. Uh, so that'll be like 11-15 their time. But this this is a 9-15 a.m. body clock game for the Trojans, who haven't played east of the mountain time zone since November 25th against Wisconsin down in the Battle of Atlantis over Thanksgiving break. I assume all week, like, they're, they're flying them out there, I, I would assume, as soon as possible. But there might be rules, like, for travel about how soon you can get out there. So I, but I assume they're going to be at least trying to get these kids up like earlier this week, practicing, get them adjusted to waking up that early. But this is a team I'm a little bit down on anyway, USC. I think they've kind of flew under the radar all year and might be getting in for just league purposes and just the brand of USC. But I love Michigan state first half money line. That might be one of the better plays of the tournament just because I mean, you, you know, Tony waking up even, at whatever to practice like these guys are probably going to be up at what 6 30 6 15 joe this is like oh yeah i mean definitely they're going to be awake yeah you'd probably say 12 15 game you these guys are probably going to be at the gym no later than 9 30 yeah and they're gonna and they're gonna eat and probably shoot around or something before that like mm-hmm. these guys are going to be on like three o'clock west coast time and Joe, this is like when USC a few years ago in the COVID year in football played at what nine fifteen local time. Yeah, that was crazy. The, the Pac twelve they did that. That was it was insane. <clears throat> they were up at like three in the morning. It was yeah. nuts. Just, just you're not like set up the, for success there. Yeah, like 
the yeah. and with it only being a two point spread like overall like I'm I assume you could probably get Michigan State first half money line at like minus like 120 minus 130 that might be like if you want to put like a big bet down on the day I really like that just cuz it's not going to be that big of a difference for Michigan State an hour if that but right. like a it's very pretty much a 9am your body clock tip that's most of these kids are are sleeping still by then so Right. I really like Michigan State in the first half, um, and I and I think that's going to carry them to a win full game as well. Yeah, I like uh, Michigan State here as well. I think Tom Izzo is incredible in March. Um, and Michigan State is – they have some pieces. They really do when you look at them on paper. It's just they've kind of flown under the radar all year. They've won just enough in the Big Ten to get in here. Um but you got to watch out for there's always a sneaky Pac-12 team in the tournament that likes to hang around until the second weekend. Like uh, we expect UCLA to get there. We expect Arizona to get there. Usually like an Oregon as an 11 seed will make a run um, and just end up in the Sweet 16 somehow. Or like you said earlier, Oregon State was in the Elite Eight. Hmm. I saw too uh, USC and the field is 10-2 and against the spread in opening round. So – Right. This is just a small spread. If you like that trend, I guess maybe even take just USC maybe to win outright. But that that like I, I usually don't take the outside factors of what's going on, like besides the actual basketball itself yeah. into account. But I think this is a huge disadvantage for USC and something that You're could right. certainly come. Yeah, that's a legitimate right factor. Down. Yeah. And I mean, you know, they always want to talk about player safety and stuff like kind of has an impact if you're you know, having a West Coast team tip off at 12 o'clock. But even from just a stand – I'm taking Michigan State here, by the way. You guys kind of already touched on everything. But also just from in terms of, like, a viewership standpoint, I feel like they would want to put the team based out of Los Angeles at a later tip-off time than 12-15, you know, yeah. uh, Eastern time. That's just was surprising to me. I think Izzo's going to pass <clears throat> on that, and I'm definitely taking State. Yeah, there's a, there's another game that I know of that too. Um, that's in the West. It's St. Mary's VCU, and it's a two o'clock tip in Albany, I believe. So it's still like only eleven o'clock. But St. Mary's hasn't played a game at eleven o'clock in the morning all season. Yeah, yeah. congrats, St. Mary's. We'll give you the five seed in Albany. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's reward you for that. Give you the nice cross country trek to play VCU's hell of a defense. But uh, yep. It's another another upset I potentially like that we'll talk about another episode. But all right, last game of the East Region to break down in the first round. Uh, number two, Marquette, another team that's up there with I think you could say one of the top five hottest teams in the country right now. Been playing some really good basketball. Versus number fifteen, the Catamounts of Vermont, two forty-five tip on Friday on CBS. Marquette comes in. It's only an eleven-point favorite. That's the smallest number of any of the two seeds. Over under is one forty five. Joe, you think your Catamounts have a chance in this one? I don't. I'll be honest. I, I just don't. I think Marquette's going to win here uh, pretty handily. Um, I could see this being one of those games though, like Vermont just not quitting and like having like a back of eleven points. But I mean, this is a Marquette yeah. team. We just saw Tyler Cole and all those guys in the Big East tournament. Um, they're not scared of Vermont. Vermont, you know. Had a down year by their standards. They were only 20 and 11 heading into uh, the conference tournament. Um, they're 15 seed. Normally we see them around like the 13 line. Yep. Um, but give me the Golden Eagles here. I feel like this is going to be one of those games you throw on maybe the first five, 10 minutes, then Marquette's up big and you never see it for the rest of the day. 
Yeah, I think like Vermont's becoming like a really common theme here in the NCAA tournament as out of a conference who's only going to get the automatic qualifier. Um, yeah. I think they, they play like a great brand of basketball. They're going to move the ball. It'll probably give Marquette some trouble uh, maybe the first eight minutes of the game into that second TV timeout. And then you j- I think you're just going to see Marquette uh, out-talent them. They'll start flying up and down the court, getting transition layups off steals. And uh, I wanted to touch on Shaka Smart. Um, so you see this resurgence here with Marquette. And it's just weird. Like He had that that uh, span there where he was at Texas, and he just wasn't really successful down there. Uh, do you think maybe he's a better coach and a better recruiter, scouter at uh, like a lesser of a program like he was back in the day? Um, like maybe he's better at finding like a diamond in the rough and putting a team together rather than attracting a five-star guy? Yeah, when you look at all the guys he brought in at Texas, he was getting the five-star one-and-dones, but you look at where he had success at VCU now, um, Marquette, none of those guys are – NBA players or anything. So right. there's uh, I was listening to the other day, like this entire group, the core that's like playing right now, I don't think any of them will leave early. And if they all want to stay at Marquette, they can all play another two whole seasons because of like COVID year and stuff. Cool. So come 2025, this team could like still be around and intact. If I mean, who knows what the transfer portal and whatnot these days, but if you're as good as they are right now and you you're just not leaving, you keep that thing rolling. Like that's, that's one of those. That's one of those teams that's like has a potential to be like a back-to-back champ or something. Right. Yeah. Definitely. You could see them next year being ranked inside the top five preseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's. Uh, I agree. It's like a better fit, and it's just a basketball school there too. You don't have to compete right. in Texas. Where I think he was a, they were a three seed or a four seed when they lost to Abilene Christian a few years ago, and then he yep. left. And that, I mean, obviously losing that game's not ideal, but just the pressure there is, is too high sometimes for, I guess, what they're expecting and versus what I guess he was trying to maybe build long-term. Because he was probably even pressured in to try and bring in some of those well, bigger five-star yeah. guys. Think about it. Like VCU, he's he is used to, and what he built there is like he's looking for four-year guys mm-hmm. who – and then you build a team after two or three years, you have – you know, maybe one or two pieces from each class hit, put them together, you have a good team. I mean, that's kind of what it is like at Marquette. Same thing with to, Villanova. Right. Pretty much. Yep. You even look at those guys who got drafted, like Brunson, second round pick, but like, I mean, he came in as a highly ranked recruit, but not much expected from him. DiVincenzo, yep. Mikhail Bridges, they all, those are all guys who worked their way up. And then they had Javon Quinterly. He was like one of their top recruits. He didn't pan out there. Cam Whitmore kind of disappointed this year. It's just – it's where you go. You have to, like, know, I guess, what you're kind of – Yeah, expecting. right. I mean, think about that, too. Those four-year, three-year guys at Villanova, like, they're coming into the NBA. Sure, they're getting drafted later outside of maybe uh, Bridges. Mm-hmm. But they, they're they ready to go right away. There's no, like, oh, he's going to be a two-year project. Like, yep. stuff you hear like that with the one-and-done guys. Mm-hmm. All right, well, our little side tangent there of Marquette. Um, I'll continue the Marquette talk, though. I'm going to take them as, as this next part of the show is our Elite Eight prediction uh, going to the Final Four. I'm going to take Marquette to represent the the East region in the Final Four after beating Duke. As I said earlier, just a little bit ago, this Marquette team really grew on me this past week. 
but Tony, we've talked about this off air before. They don't really have the elite shot maker down the stretch, which worries me. We saw that even in the win against UConn. They weren't getting good shots on the stretch. UConn wasn't able to capitalize on that. But they do have an elite point guard in Tyler Kolick, the biggest player of the year, who I trust to make big plays down the stretch. Um, and I trust the ball in his hands down, down at the end of the game if it comes down to it. And this is a Marquette team, another group that went to the dance last year, lost round one to UNC, who eventually went on to the title. But as we talked about, a team that gained a lot of experience last year, able to kind of carry that into this year, use their recent uh, good play and overall hot season. Um, and I think that they go to MSG and they cut the nets down in the Elite Eight, knocking off that young Duke team. And we see Marquette go to the Final Four. Yeah, I have. Uh, I actually have Duke over Marquette in the Elite Eight with Duke headed to the Final Four. I think. I think obviously the toughest game for Duke to get there is going to be if they run into Purdue. Um, Purdue's really tough to beat if their guards just make threes. Because you're gonna Duke will pack five guys in the paint and just make those young guards from from Purdue knock down shots. Uh, I think they get past them, and like you said about Marquette, Duke has those guys down the stretch who have been you know go to guys with Filipowski and Roach down the stretch of games, mm -hmm. and I think that's why I will take them to be Marquette. I, like you said, I just don't. I mean, they lean on Kolek to make plays for them. That's and that has happened all year, but I just see that luck running out. Kmet. I have Kansas State over Duke. I have the Wildcats going to the Final Four. Um, actually, my biggest upset of the tournament, I know we were talking so highly about Marquette. I have Michigan State upsetting Marquette in the round of 32 when I did my bracket. Um, and that's just because uh, over the – I think it was the past 36 um, teams, instances that there's been a team that started the season unranked and finished on the one or the two line – more than half of them have lost in during the first weekend. So I think that could be either Purdue or Marquette this year. But I think Marquette, um, kind of one of those teams that had like such a magical conference run and kind of like what you guys were saying with their limitations. Like if they lean on Cole like a bit too much, UConn just couldn't just forgot to play offense for the second half of the game for that, like those last five minutes when Marquette just couldn't score either. I mean, it was, it was, infuriating to watch because, you know, you had so many opportunities to take out Marquette, but that didn't happen. And I think Tom Izzo is one of those coaches that if that happens to them, let it slip. Um, but I still think Kansas state, I think Keontae Johnson is going to have his one shining moment. I think he's going to lead the wild to the final four. Um, even though this is the first time I've in a long time, I can remember when I make my bracket, I went chalk the first round. Normally I have upsets, even the eight seed, you know, I had Memphis, um, but I am going Kansas State here to advance to the Final Four. So naturally, I'm not going to get a single pick right, and everything's going to go shit. But give me the Wildcats. Yes. So none of us wind up having the number one seed, Purdue. Um, we have a five, a, a five prediction, a three prediction, and a two prediction. Um, I, th I guess you can really make an argument for most of these brackets that they're pretty open, but but you wouldn't surprise me if. Purdue made it like wouldn't surprise me like Memphis has the talent to if they get some favorable draws them to go um, Tennessee like there's the worst four seed in my opinion in this bracket in Tennessee uh, wouldn't surprise me to see Kansas State go on around Kentucky Michigan State you never know what to, you're going to get out of them it, it should be a really fun bracket to uh, to just <clears throat> soak it all in and see really what happens at the end of the day yeah definitely I think uh, 
if if Purdue plays like Purdue, I don't think they should lose. Yeah. But it seems like none of us think Purdue is going to play like they they are capable of playing, uh, which they've had a tendency to do this year and just lose games you would never think they should lose. Yeah. Ever since the middle of the season, like around January, they'll be like every like five or six games they'll have like one slip up where yep. you know this you can't do that and that's also why it might have been a good thing if they found a way to drop one of those games in the Big Ten, get like the loss out of the way and regroup for this. But here they are sitting there now. Um, should be should be a, a fun one to break down. But before we head out, Tone, give us your national title pick. Oh, my national title pick this year is going to be uh, Texas. Uh, you know, I've been high on Texas all year. Um, I think they're finally turning into like one of the best five teams in the country consistently. Um, they got bigs now who are starting to score. Uh, Timmy Allen's finding his game a little bit. Tyrese Hunter's finding his game a little bit. And I think in that region with Houston, I think that's a really good matchup for them as that's just going to be like a big, that's like a big 12 game for them. Mm-hmm, and you know, exactly. they're tested there. So uh, I'm going to roll with, uh, I th- actually like Texas to beat uh, Alabama there. Okay. All right. Well, that'll do it for the East region bracket. Uh, thank you, Tony, for coming on. We still have to yeah, break down thank you. the South and the West as well. So looking forward to getting into those two brackets. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, make sure to tune into the other episodes, and we'll talk next time. Yep. Peace out.